Hey, it's so good to have you here. If you've never been here before, I just wanted to say welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, as you can tell, community is a really big focus for us. As you can tell, um, structure is something that we uh, enjoy and sometimes um, don't have. So it's really good that you've come on Easter Sunday, um, Resurrection Sunday, which is amazing. I think one of the really lovely things that I find about Easter is the beats that, the beats that happen with Easter. So with Good Friday, of course, you've got the crucifixion. And then Saturday is actually one of the darkest days in, one of the darkest days in history. And then finally on Sunday, we've got Resurrection Sunday, which is amazing. Um, Mr. Asher, son, can I get you to just put like Easter Sunday behind me? Have you already done that? Thanks, buddy. So what I wanted to do today is... Um, I'd actually really love to just talk um, really briefly on a bit around the Easter story. In particular, I want to talk about um, I want to talk about the crucifixion on Friday. Okay, there's a whole bunch of things that we could talk about. We could talk about the road to Emmaus. We could talk about what happens on what happens on Saturday. We could talk about the temple curtain tearing in two and the significance of that. There's so many great things. We could talk about the Last Supper. There's so many great things that we can talk around Easter, but actually at the end of the day, have you ever noticed that every great biblical gospel message will either point you to the cross or comes from the cross? Okay? And so what I wanted to do today is I just want to um, read the passage. I've got a couple of thoughts, but if you're um, a person that likes to take notes... Um, If you're a person that likes to read along with the story, um, I'm going to read mainly out of Mark 15. Um, So open your Bibles. Um, If you've been coming to church uh, for a while, um, bring your Bibles. Um, That'll be great. Um, So I'm just going to read it out. It's going to be be good. But if you're looking for something to hang the message on, if you're looking for um, just something simple, I've actually really got um, a really simple statement, which is put to death, brought to life. So put to death, brought to life. So I just wanted to really quickly read Mark 15. I'm not going to quickly read it. I'm going to take my time. Otherwise, it's just going to sound ridiculous. But Mark 15. I'm going to start verse 15. So this is the last day. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, who was the Roman representative of the day. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things, so again Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what, they, what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, 
Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to, to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. As they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. To him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexandra and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, uh, Golgotha which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with them, one on his right and on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him amongst themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults upon him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon... Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. In one of the other Gospels, John 19, um, it's actually recorded that the last words that Jesus said was, It is finished. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Down to verse 42. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down his body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. It's pretty interesting. Can you imagine being the disciples after this has happened? See, by this time, his friends had scattered. He'd been mocked by the people that he'd come to save. Hope seemed lost. 
But actually all that happened was heaven just started counting to three. See, the thing is, in John 19, when he says, it is finished, you might think that it's kind of like, if I was to run 21 kilometers, I would get to 21, 20 kilometers, and they, oh no, I'd probably get to five kilometers, and the last 16 would be really difficult. And then when I finally cross the line at 21 kilometers, I'd be go, I'd be like, oh my goodness, it's finally over. It's finished. Thank goodness my suffering is over. The really interesting thing is that in um, John 19, when it says it is finished, it uses a really specific Greek word. And the Greek word is a word, uh, tetelestai, uh, which is actually an accounting term, and it's specifically used for accounting. So it's only used in one specific context. And the accounting term is, for it is finished, is actually means paid in full. So when Jesus declared it is finished, it wasn't, oh my goodness, my suffering is finally over. It's like your debt is paid in full. What an incredible last statement. See, the Romans and the Jews, actually the Jews more than the Romans, thought that they were putting to death a troublemaker. People that were upsetting the apple cart, uh, a person who was upsetting the apple cart, a person that was upsetting the worldview, particularly of the Jewish people. As you can tell, the Romans didn't actually generally, generally care about Jesus. At the end of the day, it was his own people who crucified him. They thought that they were putting to death a troublemaker and they were bringing to life a new normal where um, life would just snap back, snap back to normal. The old Jewish ways would still be the ways that would continue on. But Jesus had other ideas. See, for Jesus, he put to death shame. He put to death guilt. He put to death regret. He put to death hopelessness. He put to death despair. And in his place, he brought to life hope. He brought, brought to life courage. He brought to life purpose. See, this is the thing, is that this is actually a pivotal point in all of history. Like, it doesn't matter which culture you come from. Uh, anyone with a faith background will recognize the death of Christ as a pivotal moment in history. See, one of the things when we come to the cross is that when Jesus died, our past died. So the things that we've done died. When Jesus died, our sins died. When Jesus died, our darkness died. When Jesus died, your captivity died. When Jesus died, your failures died. But when he rose, when he got up, your salvation came to life. Your deliverance came to life. Your healing came to life. Your light came to life. Your peace came to life. Your miracle came to life. And your eternity came to life. He made a way where there was no way. So here's my question as we approach Easter. What is it in our lives that we need to put to death? What is it in our lives that we've been carrying for a really long time that's been weighing us down? And then similarly, similarly, at the same time, what is it in our lives that we need to bring to life? See, the thing is, is that Jesus paid the price, not just for our sins, but he paid the price for our restoration, 
our redemption, our salvation, our healing. These were all things, and there's all the symbols that we could go through throughout the story of the crucifixion that actually, um, that actually could be its own message. When it comes to salvation in the New Testament, the word that's often used is actually sozo. Sozo doesn't actually mean just salvation. It doesn't mean just ticking the box. It doesn't just mean going from the red to the black. Sozo actually means fully saved, fully healed, fully delivered, fully redeemed. So there's a fullness that comes with salvation as a result of Jesus dying on the cross for us. How incredible is that? It's awesome. See, and we can approach the cross, and quite often we approach the cross as something which is quite somber. But actually, this is one of the greatest victories of our time. Like, this is, this is a victorious moment. This is an incredible moment, not just for us, but for all creation. See, the thing is, and I, I think it's something that actually we quite often get wrong. Quite often, have you ever prayed the smiting prayer? Like that, almost like the Jesus get him. Did you notice that the closer that it got to the crucifixion, the disciples started praying the smiting prayer to Jesus? Hey, Jesus, when are you going to get those Romans? Hey, Jesus, when are you going to get those Pharisees? Hey, Jesus, you said that you were going to overturn the whole kingdom. You know, revolution, revolution, revolution. And instead, Jesus chooses a way that means that his oppressors could also be saved. How incredible is that? So here's my question as we approach Easter. What have you put on lay-by that Jesus has already paid for? Jesus has paid the price for your healing. He's paid the price for your redemption. What guilt, what sin are you still beating yourself around the head with that he's already paid for? See, growing up, um, there was this weird theology with... um, It was a really weird thing that... um, Just the flavor that I grew up with. Um, And I think it was was back in the days of, like, not necessarily just turn or burn, but in the days of, hey, if if you sin, basically what you're doing is Jesus has to get back up on the cross and he's going to have to just have that little bit extra punishment and torture just for that little extra bit of sin that you've done. As, a, as an adult, I realize how ridiculous this is. Jesus sacrificed for all sin for all time. Jesus sacrificed not just for the sin that you committed yesterday, not just the sins that you've already committed today, but no matter what you do from this point on, His sacrifice is paid in full. He's paid in full. As a result of that, what's our response? Our response should be gratitude. Our response should be celebration. Our response should be, man, I don't live in that place anymore. Our response should be being set free. See, the things that have weighed you down, Jesus has already paid for. So there's no need for you to continue to hang on to them. There's a freedom that comes when we accept salvation on the cross in all its fullness. I've written down here that Jesus is our advocate. He advocated in the darkness for us. Um, I wrote down here, there's a difference between it's finally over and it is finished. See, the thing is, is that Jesus was a peacemaker. Just because he was a peacemaker didn't mean that he was passive. There is an action and an agency that happens in um, in his choice to stay on the cross. So rather than conquering, he was more than a conqueror so that we can be more than conquerors. See, peacemaking doesn't mean passivity. It's the act of interrupting injustice without mirroring injustice, the act of disarming evil without destroying the evildoer, the act of finding a third way that is neither flight nor fight, but the careful, arduous pursuit of justice, 
and reconciliation. How good is it that Jesus doesn't just give us what we deserve, but his heart for us is justice and reconciliation. That's good news. That's amazing news. It's about a revolution of love that is big enough to both set free the oppressed. Uh, sorry. It's about a revolution of love that is big enough to set both the oppressed and the oppressors free. Isaiah 53 puts it this way. The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him and thought he was scum, but the fact is it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled on all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. So Isaiah 53 is the message version. See, the thing is, is that crucifixion in and of itself, like the actual um, act of crucifixion, it actually wasn't, a, it wasn't an unpopular way to die. Like it was actually just one of the options for execution. Okay, in the same way that it could have been, like modern day, it could have been the death penalty, you know, ga- gas or electric chair or, you know, any of the other options. See, for the Romans, it was just another run-of-the-mill crucifixion. It was just one of the options of how to kill rabble-rousers, troublemakers. It was a torturous form of execution reserved for slaves, foreigners, revolutionaries, and vile criminals. The only time a Roman citizen was ever crucified was for desertion from the army. Its intent was to humiliate and warn others, uh, warn other bad actors or uprisers or revolutionaries not to challenge their system. None of these uh, perpetrators could ever have imagined that 2,000 years later, we would call Friday Good Friday. They would share images of that cross in a spirit of gratefulness, or that they had just played a part in the greatest narrative of redemption this world has ever seen. See, Romans 5.8 puts it this way, but God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. N.T. Wright, who's a really famous theologian, says this thing which is really quite dense, and I'm really sorry for it, but I think it's pretty incredible. Uh, N.T. Wright says this, if Jesus of Nazareth had stayed dead, so actually dying on the cross, that was actually just a normal way for a revolutionary to die. It was actually in the fact that he rose again, amen? If Jesus of Nazareth had stayed dead, that nobody would have given a a second thought to giving his crucifixion any significance. There were lots and lots of failed revolutionaries in Jesus' day, often ending up in Roman crosses, and Jesus would have just been another one in that bunch. The crucifixion means what it means because Jesus is raised from the dead after three days. And likewise, the resurrection means what it means because it is the resurrection of the crucified one. This is part of the point of Easter that makes it hard for us to think about. Easter commands us to think about something which is non-corruptible, about a physical world that isn't subject to decay and death anymore. The resurrection pushes us back and says it's all about the kingdom of God. 
If we read the rest of the stories throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Jesus is confronting the powers. He confronts the powers of the day. He confronts the plotting Pharisees. He confronts the spiritual powers and the demons shrieking at him in the synagogues. And even the puzzled disciples. He confronts evil in all its forms. And then he goes into the darkness in order to take its full weight upon himself. This is a really deep mystery. This is what N.T. Wright says. This is a very deep mystery, and I suspect we'll never fully understand it. But the Gospels make it clear that he goes into the darkness as our representative and as our substitute. Both of these things are important. So as we come to the cross, and all of us, probably many of us in this room have been at the foot of the cross before. Some of us have um, come back to that place again and again and again. That place of redemption, that place of uplift. But I guess my question today is, is what's our response as a result of knowing this redemptive power of Jesus on the cross? See, the unfinished work of the cross is to tell every person on earth about the finished work of the cross. It is finished. Your debt is paid in full. You've been healed, you've been saved, you've been redeemed, you've been delivered, and it's your choice whether you pick that up or not. See, the thing is, is that we put all our stuff on the cross, and it's often a place that, for a lot of us, that's our place of, um, of repentance. But actually, the cross is also the worldview through which we should see everything. So we need to be able to see broken people through the lens of the cross. We need to be able to see... Um, those that are hurting through the lens of the cross. We need to be able to see um, those uh, oppressors through the lens of the cross. We need to be able to see our situations and our circumstances through that wondrous cross. When Jesus said, it is finished, he wasn't messing around. Ben Crendrew, who's um, a great friend of mine, um, he's from Arise Church in Christchurch, he um, he actually put this thing up on, on Friday, which I've been thinking about, and I was going to um, rewrite it into my own words and claim it for myself, but it said, um, it's actually really wonderful. Um, this year for some of us, it's, it's, and actually for some of us, it's been a pretty tough few years, um, particularly if you're from the Canterbury area and as a New Zealander, our, um, our worldview has potentially shifted slightly in the last year. And for some of us, that might be from Canterbury in the last few years. Ben Kendrew um, wrote this on on a thing uh, that he wrote on Friday. Over the past few weeks, I was asked often what my thoughts were on certain topics swirling around news and social media. Questions about judgment and hatred and condemnation and love and grace and forgiveness. It's a big conversation. What's becoming increasingly evident to me is that the answer lies in Easter. More specifically, the answer lies in the cross, a symbol that was transformed from being an instrument of torture to being a symbol of love. When Jesus died on a cross for us, he not only bore our pain and our punishment, but he also established a new kingdom here on earth, one where love rules and hope reigns. I'm reminded that when he taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, he wasn't just meaning for the end of that age. He was urging us to pray that for this very day. The cross is powerful because it's empty. 
Yes, Jesus suffered in my place, but he didn't remain in suffering. He conquered. He is victorious. He has rule and reign. So amidst all of the tension and contention in our world, I believe that Jesus is king, and because of that I have hope. The king is one of love, grace, acceptance, and transformation. When you see a cross this Easter, think of those things and know that he did it for you. The cross has the final word. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, we just thank you so much for everything that you've done. We stand here at this moment in history again and we think of the sacrifice that you made for us. Lord, we thank you so much that it wasn't just for our sins that you died on the cross for us, but it was for our healing and our redemption and there were so many other things going on as well. Lord, we thank you so much, not just that you died on the cross, but that you rose again three days later. That you conquered death, conquered the grave, so that um, we can sit and live our lives in a way that we can see through the lens of the cross. That death has no sting anymore. That you give us life, life abundant and life eternal. And so Jesus, we come to you again today and we say thank you for the sacrifice that you've made. We thank you that you are king of our world. We thank you that you are the king above all kings. Not just the king of the Jews, but the king of all kings. So Lord, have your way in this world. Where there's darkness, let there be light. And because we are um, presence carriers, let us be your light in the darkness. Let us be hope where there is hopelessness. Let us be healing where there is sickness. Let us be prayer where there is just um, words of despair. Lord, we just thank you so much for your beautiful exchange. We just reflect on that today. I want to give an opportunity for anyone that's here that's just heard that story of what Jesus has done for you. It might have been a really long time since you've actually thought about that story. You might feel really far away from Jesus. One of the great things about Easter is that the door's always open, that the table, there's always a seat at the table for you. If you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling on the outside, there's always room for one more in Jesus' family. And actually, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that it says in the New Testament that we're actually adopted into Christ's family, that we're both heirs and sons and daughters of the living God. What great news. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that good news today. So if that's you today, either you used to be close to Jesus, but now you feel far away, or actually you've never said yes to Jesus before, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity. We're just going to get you to raise your hand. And then we're going to pray a prayer together and then we're just going to have some fellowship together, which is just a word for eating the rest of the food.